Tips podcast by Singapore Children's Society is a topical parenting series on trends and research concerning children and youth. We support caregivers by providing perspectives and useful information to enhance the well-being of children and youth. Previously on the first episode of this podcast on school bullying. I, I like to think I was a dutiful prefect. I was asking him, hey, why you don't clear your plate? And then, partly because maybe my tone wasn't very nice. I triggered him and then he got triggered and then... I think after school, after class, I, he and his two like seniors come to call me. In this episode, we have Randy and Methavan, or Maddie for short. Randy is a counsellor, while Maddie is a social worker with Singapore Children's Society's Bully Free team. The Bully Free program, which has been around since 2004, aims to promote a safe and supportive culture in schools with a zero-tolerance stand towards bullying. Their work also aims to raise awareness on the topic among children, youth, parents, teachers and counsellors through talks, workshops, camps, campaigns and roadshows. We are also joined by our invited guest, Benjamin Lowe, who has very kindly come on board to share his memories and experiences of school bullying. Today, Benjamin is a public speaking coach on speech and presentation coaching. He's also a life coach who works with people to empower themselves to reach their personal and professional goals. In the last episode, Benjamin spoke about his experiences with school bullying and how it has impacted him. Randy and Maddie shared their insights and observations from their work in the Bully Free program and why it can be so difficult to tell or seek help. So let's pick up from where we left off and get to the focus of today's episode which is how parents or caregivers can support their children. So one thing I find interesting is, if the kids don't say anything, how do parents know? So I'm sure that a lot of listeners are probably parents or educators. And from their perspective, if the child doesn't tell me, what can I do? And is there any other way or tips that we can share for parents and adults to know that something is not quite right? I think generally, as we um, work with parents, something that we always just tell them is just be present with your child. Even if nothing um, concrete is really being said, you don't need to plan an agenda for, for checking in with your child. So just physically being there as much as you can. Uh, of course, I understand that there are work um, um, that, that would need to be tended to or you know just your own responsibilities. But as much as possible, just try to be present um, and let your child know that you are there um at times also uh you know it's really not about if if work uh, permits um of course you can be there in person if not you know it's sometimes really just about since we're all in this world of using whatsapp um or any other um, forms of reaching out you can actually just reach out to your child from there you know just a simple check-in with with um, your child of like hope you have a good day today anything just let uh, pa or ma know you know something simple like that could go a long way um, and if this is a very common thing, don't be afraid that you'll be taken for granted because at any point in time in their day, um, throughout their whole childhood, um, at any one point in time whereby they'll need that somebody, they'll know that, hey, my dad is there because he texts me every day. I know that he will make time for me. It's always just these small little actions that could go a long way. Um, you know, if you could be there in person, uh, of course, what we encourage parents to do is to really just um, be attuned. So what being attuned means is really just to listen to your child. Um, something that sometimes as adults we tend to forget is that every child is an expert of their own life. Um, they know their own life the best and they know what they need, actually. So really just be patient, be calm 
I think that's really something that they need. So be calm, be there, um, listen to what they have gone through. Don't downplay it. Um, give them the credit for what they have done to to survive till today, to to last till today. Um, check in with them on on what kind of support they actually need. Um, give them the chance to actually think about what they really want, rather than us going in there to problem solve. Yeah, so very similar to, for example, if your child comes home with a scraped knee and blood all over hands and legs, um, we don't just go and pick up the bicycle to go and fix it. We don't just go and problem solve the issue. We actually will immediately, you know, take out the first aid kit and tend to the wound. Uh, check in, you know, are you okay? Don't cry, you know, let me give you a hot Milo or something. So it's really just tending to their emotional needs at that point in time. And then afterwards, ask them if they would prefer for us to bring them to a doctor or prefer for us to actually just go get the, the bike fixed. So it's really just to be there and really to listen to the child. Yeah generational perspective is so uh, like uh, mm. something I've been always thinking of like mm. like should I just because that was what mm. I lived through should I also impose that on my children and I so I I, I am guilty right like for example like national service like oh that time I have to do two years and then why the <laughs> boys now are getting like <laughs> one year seven months or thing like get discount right yeah. so it's, I mean we, we always try to how should I say downplay you know the next few generations based on what we live through mm-hmm. uh, but if anything if I'm going to sort of like match it to my my growing up years if I could sort of do it all over again and I if I could change things maybe what would be better would be like maybe my my, my dad was a very stoic person he, he I never even see him cry at all in my whole life mm-hmm. that's this probably only like my grandma's passing but the day to day he, he didn't even like, like show his emotions much so if if Things could have been better. Maybe, like for example, I could turn to him for certain like guy to guy talk, and turn to my mom to guy to like female talk. But they they also like again in that era they didn't position themselves that way, so I also didn't see them as a resource, mm-hmm. so to speak. But if anything, I think now with what I know, I I'm definitely having my my wife, my partner, to say, hey, we we need to model the exact behaviors that we want our children to display so if i want my child to be more expressionistic i want the boys to say hey boys doesn't mean that you know if you cry it makes you any weaker in fact i would think that boys who are able to cry and yet embrace this that masculinity makes it even stronger Mm. i would then be comfortable emoting and crying with my boy and to my boy as well which now in my professional work i do to a certain extent so Mm. i think the modeling is something that i Mm. am putting as a forefront so maddie and randy Let's say we have a scenario where you know that the child's been bullied, right? Um, what are some practical steps to support your child through the process? Maybe take the example of the mother and child you mentioned in the first episode. Can you talk us through the kind of advice that you gave to the mother whose son came home and was found covered with paint? Um, what were some of the kind of things that you shared with the mother? So what we usually share with the parents is firstly... Um, as in, of course, the parents will get so emotionally driven. They'll be asking like, hey, how can a school do this? My child shouldn't deserve this. Then, you know, why is it, what's a bully doing? And then they will want to call the bully's parents down. They want to have this kind of, you know, mediation conversation going on. But first thing is, just hear your child. Let your child speak to you on what actually happened. How did he start that? What possibly instigated? And how's the child feeling? After speaking so, there have been cases where, no, I think all is done. I don't need to do anything. I just want someone to hear me out. Sometimes the child can't even do that. But then, of course, the next thing what you can do is empathize with the child. Um, You know, if the child is crying or sharing his or her pain, empathize. You may not know how he or she is feeling, but just being there, listening, 
would allow the child to have this sense of hope and trust that, oh, my parents are really listening to me. So from there, you can always ask your child, so since you have shared all this, what do you want me to do next? Do you want me to go to school, talk to the teacher? Because some kids would not want you to go to school, talk to the teacher because it's face value. Yeah. Yeah. So ask the child, so since you have shared this with me, how do you think I can help you? Do you want me to talk to the teacher? Do you want me to confront that kid's parents? What do you want me to do? Do we fully take the children's cue? So if the child says, no, I'm just not going to talk about it or don't want to think about it, are we just going to say, okay, I'll let it pass? Actually, when um, we hear the child out, the important thing is actually to hear the rationale of why they say certain things. So okay. if, let's say, for example, they say that, um, I mean, it would be good if straightforward they, they just tell you, okay, please go and tell my principal or my teacher whatsoever. Um, I, I guess that's a very straightforward path. Um, but um, what I, I reckon could happen would be that the child is afraid of you going mm. to the school, um, be it because of face value or be it because of fear that um, the bullying will escalate. So um, actually, apart from just hearing them out and, and hearing the words that they're saying, really listen and tune in to why they said that. So why did they say, um, please don't go to my school? Um, I'm fine. I'm, I'm perfectly fine now. I think the bullying will stop tomorrow. So why do you think that um, they'll, they'll say that it's something that we'll need to uncover? Um, and then from there, um, of course, there are also certain um, signs that we'll need to take into consideration. So for example, if the child comes home with a broken rib, um, because um, uh, the booty had, had um, kicked him so hard that the rib broke, um, definitely um, escalated. Um, the child's safety will definitely come in first. Um, but of course, also um, take the chance to speak to your child calmly about why you have decided to override him, override his desire to for you not to go down to the school. So really explain to the child so that the child can understand why this adult is not really listening to his his request not to to for this to escalate so um let it be an open conversation both ways um explain to them so that the next time around they will understand okay where is the the line that can't be crossed um if i were to come home with just a stolen pencil do will my mom have to immediately go down to the school or will it only be when when there's a certain injury inflicted. So it's really to set the boundaries also so that they'll understand about um, how much protection we are providing for them um, physically as well. Yeah. Mm, just adding on, as in, it's quite sticky. Imagine if it's a sec four boy telling you and then the next moment you want to go down and talk to the teachers. I'm also wondering how the boy feel like, hey, my face very really, I really don't need not to go, then you want to go and do this. That may even shut the communication the face value there. So it's easy for us to share, la, but I think the parents have to be there to really assess it, to really see how touchy or how sensitive this particular conversation with your child is going to be. So I, I think ultimately it's about creating that safe space for the child mm. to share when the child is ready. Mm. Um, of course, um, when I'll, I'll go into two scenarios. So one is would be where the child comes home and just... Um, happen to have some signs of bullying, but it's nothing physical. So the child is physically safe, uh, unharmed. Um, perhaps it could be more relational bullying. So in such a situation, um, just let them know that you notice that they are a bit off, um, that they look a bit more down um, and you are a bit worried. So just let them know that um, there is a concern there, um, and, but also open it up to them, especially if they are already in their teenage years. So open it up to them and let them know that um, if you ever need to talk to somebody, um, I'll be in my room. 
you know, or you can just drop me a text and, and let me know what time or where you want to meet. We don't really have to meet at home. It could be somewhere else whereby um, we are just strolling. So, it, you know, really just open up all doors for them, um, especially for teenagers, like what uh, Maddie said earlier. It's, it can be quite tough to really yeah. um, penetrate a, a teenager's uh, thoughts and, and their, their world. So really just let them know that you are there when they are ready to share more and ready to open up to you, especially emotionally, they will definitely reach out. Um, that is a trend that we have noticed from, from working with teenagers. Um, of course, if they are very much open to just telling you, then that's the fastest way. Um, but don't be disheartened if your child comes home and tell you, I don't want to talk to you. Um, really just, just understand that they are also going through a lot and not just this phase of bullying. They are ultimately going through puberty, which we all know is not just a one-day kind of thing. It's a whole long process and every child goes through puberty in a very different way. So their inner thoughts are something that could hinder them from actually seeking help as well. So really, if you are just able to provide that safe space for them, um, be it in the cyber world, like for example, just a simple job of an email or text, uh, whichever works for, for you and your child, um, or bit a physical note so actually you know sliding a note under the door um papa love you kind of thing you know it, it could really mean a lot it might be a bit cringy for us to think about it especially in an asian context but all these could really go a very long way mm. i'd like to pick up on something you mentioned and that is the cyber world i think that's another realm altogether that parents are like oh i don't even know what's going on there well you know even getting my child to talk is such a huge task what more trying to understand what's happening between my child and their friends there? I think we are also seeing increasing media reports of cyberbullying now with the prevalence of social media, WhatsApp groups and various other digital technologies. Is cyberbullying something that's totally different from traditional bullying? Well, we can look at some differences between the two. In the case of traditional bullying, which is physical, verbal or relational bullying, oftentimes the aggressor can be identified and bystanders can actually see the reaction of the targeted because it happens face to face. Whereas in the case of cyberbullying, because the aggressor can hide behind a veil of anonymity, oftentimes it can be harder for others to react immediately and to empathize or protect the targeted as their reaction actually cannot be seen. In the case of traditional bullying also, often the advice given would be for the targeted to minimize close contact and interaction with the aggressor as physical safety is the utmost priority. However, this solution is not relevant for cyberbullying as it can continue to happen on other online platforms 24-7, even without the direct presence of the target. Whereas the targets of traditional bullying actually fear of retribution. So this is actually the perspective from the victim. But let's look at a bystander. What happens here is, let's say on cyberspace, when a hurtful message is being shared, we have so many people witnessing it, but very few of them will want to come forward to provide the support because we think that, oh, you know, it's a normal thing or there's so many other viewers or so many other likes, or so many other shares, someone else will do it. So there might be this kind of mindset when it comes to cyberbullying. We do understand that, you know, if such complaints from the child is being shared to the parents um, or any trusted adult, we would want to protect our child from gaining access to it. So we'll try to keep the phone aside or get them to delete their social media platforms or even reset their accounts in order to protect them in the cyberspace in preventing, you know, bullying from escalating. In today's context, when every single child has like almost a digital device, a handphone or, a, you know, any form of social media platform, 
they do not want to share with their parents. Reason being, the possible reaction from these parents would be like, you'll just confiscate your handphones and the losing of the privilege or assessing the technology. It instills fear in them. It's not just because I cannot play my phone anymore, but it's more like the other kids will start, you know, telling that, hey, you know, your parents confiscated your phone now. What happened? So this kind of face value is also, would also add on to the child's fear or anxiousness of telling the parent if something happens on cyberspace. Right, so I, I really agree with what Maddie has mentioned. Like, the, the MIP has already spoken on the floor. Like, sometimes, yes, seeking justice, accountability is necessary to stop these things from happening. Not just maybe for your child, but maybe for the other boys but or girls. But the thing, key thing here is I, I would, with all these conversations now, Really sit down with the kid and say, like, whatever has happened has happened. Mm -hmm. You know, how can we uh, really look at what needs to be done for you? What do you want? What do you want daddy or mommy to help you with? If I could just probe further. So can we see any correlation between traditional bullying and cyberbullying? Does it mean that for someone who is being cyberbullied, then they're not being bullied physically in the offline world? Or is there any overlap? As in, you see, we have these kind of four types of bullying, right? So very often people will ask us, which is more prevalent? Mm -hmm. Is it um, cyberbullying? Is it physical bullying or relationship mm -hmm. bullying, etc.? So our colleagues from the Research and Advocacy Department actually conducted an extensive study and found that one in nine were cyber victims and one in four school students were actually being bullied, bullied victims of the traditional forms of bullying. So when I say traditional form of bullying, it's not cyberbullying, but verbal, relational and physical type of bullying, physical bullying. So the public can try to understand that these various forms of bullying do not just exist independently, they are not in silos, but they are actually um, together. It happens at the same time. It causes hurt and harm for that person. So for example, let me share with you. You know, these reports that we see in news, we see video footages that are being circulated in social media platforms. Um, we get to a conclusion that, hey, this is cyberbullying, but we fail to recognize that this hitting and pushing that happens in the video, or even the hurtful words, vulgarities, they actually happen in a physical space. It's physical bullying, it is verbal bullying. So when that gets translated, when that gets videoed or recorded on cyber platforms and gets shared, people quickly jump the gun and assume that's actually cyber bullying. But here, what I've shared with you all is, is actually both the physical, verbal bullying, it's being escalated to cyber platform. So when we talk about cyberbullying or cyberspace itself, what happens is you are able to store the content, you can print screen it, you can download that video and all. So what will happen next is, let's say even if the so-called bully actually removes that video, after two years, three years, that video can still go on circulation. So it's going to be very tough. But then again, it doesn't mean that cyberbullying is much more painful than other types of bullying. Here we are talking about is the platform of cyberspace. So cyberspace is such where you can you know, save any documents. So that makes it a bit more tougher to handle or to remove. But then again, the pain and the impact the child goes through is even something that we need to work towards. Hmm. So it seems like tackling bullying is not so straightforward. Not only does bullying come in different forms, but as we see with cyberbullying, it may take place outside of the classroom while still in a school setting. Doesn't it make this difficult to deal with? And how should we make sense of this? I think generally um, what we have noticed is that um, teachers are actually very willing to share more with the parents about 
um, their overall well-being of the, the student in the school and not just focusing on the academics aspect. Um, like what Maddie said earlier, so the child is in school a big bulk of the day, uh, five days a week. Um, in fact, I think the teachers sometimes see the child more than the parents do. Uh, which is a very common phenomenon, especially in Singapore's context, uh, whereby they have CCAs and all other commitments. So um, teachers will definitely see a very um, real um, version of, of the child. And this is some another perspective that the parents would definitely wa should want to know also, um, just to have a better understanding of what the child is experiencing or how the child is behaving um, um, in, in when they're in school. So actually this is something that we've noticed um, teachers also face. Um, so they, they definitely want to do a lot more. Um, and sometimes I, I guess it's also the hurdle of how much should I share with the parent without actually um, creating an unnecessary distress signal. Mm. Um, and it's, it's really about, you know, each time that we gather more information, be it from the child or from the teacher or from the parent, whichever way works, um, it's really just to listen calmly first, get a better understanding by checking in with the child after. Because what we see could be just be one perspective. Um, what the child sees mm. from their own view um, as the one with um, experiencing it could be a very different point of view. So it's really just very important to always just check back um, with the child um, themselves. I think if to just to round up this conversation, if I could just ask uh, Randy and Maddie, um, about the kind of key message, if there's just one thing that you hope that parents or educators can take away, what is it? Or if there's one thing that you hope they would just do differently after hearing this, what is it? Uh, for me, it would be to listen to your child. Um, I think with listening, it really encompasses every other thing that, that would be needed to, for us to intervene or, or for us to support. So um, just be present and to listen. Actually, the same thing. Listen, as in, I know parents, they are busy, they have work, they are back home tired. And just spend some time listening, having just a conversation, like, how was your day? I think that would be very fruitful. As you know, we have this program, this podcast that's going on. If you want to find more resources on how to manage bullying or whom to speak to, uh, bullyfee.sg is a website that we have where we have resources available for parents and even teachers, for school teachers, to find out what they can do if an episode of bullying is being surfaced. So then again, back to your question. Um, yes, we have the child, we have the family, we have the school system. We are trying to work together with them as external agencies to advocate, to speak up more about bullying, saying that it's a no-no, zero tolerance. So in a belief that the more we speak about it, people are more aware and this behavior is being identified and we can somehow manage it. I can't assure you that there's going to be zero bullying in the world, but then I think and I believe that I can assure you that there are more help available, there are support available for this child. We are all there to provide the helping hand to stand up, speak up and come up from bullying. That's a very nice roundup, Maddie. So with that, we've come to the end of this episode. Once again, big thanks to Benjamin, Randy and Maddie. Bye-bye. <laughs>